Alright ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to J-Pop Jewels vs. the Blitz, our second episode, and the first covering an actual full week of the football season. I am once again joined by my friend, the Alphonsus, aka Alphonsus. How you doing today, man? Hey, happy Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to discussing a, probably a really explosive week of football. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, explosive is definitely one way to cover it. Had a few surprises, some things that happened the way that we expected them to, but... Well, outcomes were what we expected, but it didn't happen the way we expected it to happen. So let's just jump right in and get started on the game. It started off the week, the Bills and the Rams. Uh, I feel like initially this one was a coin toss. Everybody thought it could go either way, but um, the Bills ended up taking it. And I feel like the actual surprise in this game is just the absolute beating that the Rams took from the Bills. Um, obviously, the Bills are a good team. Everybody thought that this was going to be the preview of the Super Bowl that's going to happen this year. But I don't uh -huh. think anybody expected the Bills to seem like they were winning as handily as they were. Uh, I wasn't able to see the whole game, but I did watch some of it on the NFL app replay. And watching it, there was never a point where I didn't think the Bills were going to win. It just seemed like they had control of the entire game the entire time. Like Josh Allen is like a hell of a quarterback. Even even when he threw like a few interceptions here and there, he was still able to put up like so much offense. Like you can't you can't stop him. Like he has a, a star, a star offensive lineup, and it, he just took advantage of it. Even with a few mistakes, just like by fourth quarter, you just wonder like <laughs> like what, what else can the Rams do? Like. Like people would probably leave the stadium at that rate because, like, yeah, this is this is a, a com almost a complete wash. Absolutely, it definitely was. And watching the game, it kind of makes you think how much they miss Von Miller now that he's on the Bills because it seems like their defense weren't really able to hold up, and it kind of makes you wonder what they're going to look like going forward. I think that you know, as much of an explosive start is great. It's just seeing how the momentum will be uh, picking up because I know that you know it's a great first week. At least for the Rams, not so much. At least they can try and get a rebound in for week two. But I, you got to learn how to take these losses in stride and just know, like, hey, these guys were these guys are on their A game. We just got to do better and just hope God we can force maybe a few more fumbles. Like, that's, you know, there's nothing against the, the Rams defense. They did all they could, but it was just, God, it, it was just the Bills game to lose, and they just never lost it. Apparently it was. But uh, let's move on to the next game, uh, Eagles-Lions. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this game because, like I said, this happened the way that we expected it to. This hap This was the outcome we expected. It just wasn't the way we expected it to happen. Eagles come out with the win, 38-35. Uh, like I said in the last time we recorded, the Lions are a scrappy team and they're going to play people tight. The actual issue in this game was that the Eagles didn't perform up to the standard. Uh, the defense looked pretty bad. Uh at the beginning, they took some major gashes on the ground. Uh, Lions running back Swift was just running rough shot for that first quarter. And then they did tighten it up a little bit. But then towards the fourth quarter, they kind of took their foot off the gas and the Lions kind of marched back in. And the other issue was the offense didn't exactly – the weapons weren't on display. The only real production was from Jalen Hurts running as usual, Miles Sanders running and um, A.J. Brown, which isn't what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have A.J. Brown, supposed to have Devonta Smith, supposed to have uh, Dallas Goddard. We're supposed to have multiple weapons, but for whatever reason, Devonta Smith just wasn't 
he wasn't really there. And for the Eagles to go forward, they need to have him there. Otherwise, people are just going to be able to focus on A.J. Brown and Miles Sanders, and they're just going to shut the team down. So the Eagles won like they were supposed to, but they didn't win the way they were supposed to. Yeah, you would think that with the Lions, it was their game to hopefully win and try to overtake. But the thing is, it's like they got close. They got really, really close. Scary Even with close. like once once the Lions got that last touchdown, you would think that like, okay, what can they do to try and you know get the ball back, try and force a time timeout? Unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards. Like I, I don't know. Like maybe if they wanted to try and get the touchdown a little bit earlier, but given that there was a series of punts just here and there, just trying to force someone mm-hmm. to at least make a play. But you know, sometimes you spent like almost like the five minutes of the of that fourth quarter just trying to like really really just keep pressure on each other to prevent uh, Detroit Lions to be coming close to like a three point game, which eventually it did, but it just ended too too late. It was too late for the Lions to try and really. Put up an offensive, uh, put up a defensive wall to try and force a fumble and try and get the possession back to make something out of it to at least tie the game at least. But you know, nothing's wrong with Detroit. It's just yeah, the Eagles, they got they got uh, quite a bit of uh, reels to go through, especially on the defensive line. Definitely, but like I said, the Lions came close, and they're only like a hair away from being a team that can steal some wins. So to all those people that sold out. The stadium in Detroit, don't feel bad. Y'all got 16 more games to go. This is just number one. But moving on to another team in the same division as the Lions, you got the Bears taking down the 49ers 19-10. to uh, This was just kind of a messy slog of a game. Um, it was raining, which always adds a extra element to football, but it was just messy, and there were mistakes on both sides. Um Justin Fields, Bears quarterback, he played good enough to win, and Trey Lance didn't. That's really what it comes down to, but there were mistakes on both sides of the ball. I'm not entirely sure what we can learn from this game on either side because of the rain and because it just looked messy. But, I mean, it is what it is. A win's a win, and the Bears are 1-0. Yeah, the Bears got it. I think what the what, what did it for me in this game was I, I thought that you know, after everything that happened with Jim Garoppolo and then going off into, you know, Trey and seeing him kind of like finally hit that starting quarterback. I've, I've been following him from last season and hoping that, okay, this guy definitely has the potential to succeed. But, you know, of course, first game, even with the preseason, he's been putting it up decently. But at least with this first one, he has a lot of a lot of ways to go back to the drawing board on that one. Of course, the filter is, is that the rain. The rain messed up a whole lot of things, which probably proliferated a little bit more misplays than I would like to give them credit for because, of course, yeah, people should be somewhat prepared for the rain and the weather to interact with how they play offense and defense. But I feel like there's a lot more that they could have done in terms of just putting more bodies on the board, making sure that people are protected. And, you know, I I don't want to call it like a, a crack shot because you can't put all the blame on them. So it's like a balance between the two. Hmm. It is true. They could have done a little bit more, but like you said, it is what it is. Uh, next game up, we have the Steelers taking down the Bengals twenty three to twenty. I'm not sure anybody saw the Steelers going into Cincinnati and winning this game because uh, Ben Roethlisberger retired. So they're starting Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. And the Bengals just came out of the Super Bowl. But not only did the Steelers win, they did it in overtime. 
with the Bengals going down the field to score a field goal, blocked the field goal, and then went on to score a field goal of their own. So I'm going to say good job, Steelers defense, because <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do. Normally when the other team gets ready to set up for that overtime field goal, the game's over. When going to overtime, I can't imagine what stress it was like when both teams missed their field goal in overtime and just think, all right, we both missed. What do we do now? It's like just try and get close enough to, to do a field goal. But, of course, when you miss the field goal, you run the risk of just saying, oh, hey, we're get, uh, getting a bit closer. We can just call in special teams now and just, like, you know, kick it in. And, you know, shout-out to Boswell. E- even after everything that's <laughs> been going on in this game, the guy still kept uh, <laughs> still kept his head on straight enough to get that – get those extra three points and break the overtime. So, you know, mad credit to him. I wish I had him on my fantasy team again. And <laughs> damn, now that, that, that was a, that was a nail biter of an overtime. Like I, I, I hope that with Trubisky now leading after big Ben retiring out, I hope that Trubisky can become the new franchise and I have faith in him to, to succeed. Well, whether he will or won't, we shall see. But there is one thing that we do have to point out that might have been the X factor in this game, and that is the fact that Mike Tomlin bought every member of his team black Air Forces before the game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you gotta gotta factor in the black Air Forces into that equation. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it, they, I did, they just did it, and they ended up doing it in style. What what better yet than a black Air Force uh, helping you out with um <laughs> your field goal kick to break overtime. Definitely. But um, moving on to a game that was one of the shockers, or at least to me it was, uh, we have the Patriots going down to Miami and taking a 20-7 to loss. Uh, I feel like the surprise here isn't so much that they lost, because uh, for whatever reason, Belichick and the Patriots always seem to have a little bit of a difficulty going down to Miami, even when he had Brady. I feel like the surprising thing here is that it was 20-7. to uh, Belichick is normally known for his defenses, so I'm a little surprised that it was a two-touchdown loss as opposed to, like, maybe a one-touchdown or a field goal loss. Yeah, I, I think it's just trying to, after pretty much double-teaming with Brady for so long, and then, you know, you know, I'll give credit to Mac Jones. He tried where he could, but, you know, leading off the game with an interception, not really the best uh, foot you want to start off with in, uh, in your first game of the season. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, you know, with Belichick, He's a very interesting coach with the way that he coached Brady, but of course, you know Mac Jones, different different style quarterback. Maybe, you know, not really reminiscent of Brady, and so it's still going to take time, even throughout the preseason, for Mac Jones to get acclimated. But you still have, you know, a good roster. You still have people that are willing to support, and I, I think it's going to take until maybe week three, week four to really see Belichick and Mac Jones like kind of coordinate a hell of a lot better. They just have to take this loss on the chin, which is, you know. It's unfortunate to sacrifice a win so early on for momentum, but you know it's just a, uh, just an obstacle, just a short obstacle on this grand road. Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see. I hope Belichick can bounce back because I would hate to see this game kind of take the team downhill. Uh, speaking of things that went downhill, the Browns went to Carolina and beat the Panthers twenty six twenty four in what was supposed to be a revenge game for Baker Mayfield. Um. I'm not really sure what to say about this. I didn't necessarily expect the Panthers to win, but I felt like it was possible and it definitely could have happened. And with a score of 26-4, it looks like it should have, but 
mistakes were made, and I guess the Browns just wanted a little bit more. Yeah, it, it was a grind game in the beginning because when you had a scoreless first quarter, you, you wonder, it's just like, okay, when, when is this uh, when is the scoreboard going to get lit up? And so, you know, at, le- at least in the Browns, when they got that first touchdown, then it's like, you know, okay, it's their momentum to lose. And hopefully we'll see what happens when uh, when when they keep, par- like, paralleling themselves forward or, or powering themselves forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Panthers, they're not a team to, to you know, scoff at. They're still, like... I would put them in like a good scrap level above Detroit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's going to be. I, I think that the Panthers have a little bit more kings to really work out because once the Browns got that first uh, touchdown, it was just they had to play catch up, which eventually they did. But you know, with the exchange of field goals at the end, it, it's kind of just you know Browns just barely held on, but they held out enough to get the W, and in the end, that's what counts really. Hold on, that W is really all that matters because football is just a game of inches and whoever comes out with the win is the winner. Yeah. Which, that's an obvious statement, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the next game of the week, it was a overtime final, meaning it ended in a tie between the Colts and the Texans. And um, I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I feel like this is on the Colts. Uh, you got Matt Ryan, a uh, veteran quarterback. You got... They have a pretty good offense as far as weapons go, and the Texans are supposed to be a team that's kind of a young team struggling, trying to rebuild. They're not really supposed to win games against established teams, and to not win this game but to push you to a tie, uh, I feel like that says a lot about both teams, more so about the Colts in my opinion. Yeah, because when you have when you have a star running back like number one, number two in the league with Jonathan Taylor, like you have probably one of the best ways to keep pushing every single run. Like you shouldn't be like forcing yourself to punt like every other play, and it's just it's just so sad to see. Like you know they had all the cards in their hand, they had all the cards in their hand. It didn't seem like a house of cards at the time, but at the end you realize that it was starting to crumble in the Texans. Oh, it's like, oh, wow, we can, we, like, we actually have a chance here. And, you know, shout-outs, like, you know, Rex Burkhead uh, came over from the Patriots to the Texans. Goddamn good running back. He really he really put in his work. Like, Texans, they they proved to the, themselves that, like, hey, don't don't count us out just yet. Like, you know, we're young, we're scrappy, but we can push you. And and exactly that's what happened. It just pressured where even, like, one of the key interceptions that happened, you just had uh, Mr. Ryan just realizing that, oh, God, like, what – What's going on here? And that was the crack in the armor that he needed. That yeah, this this is no strong house right here. This is looking like a house of cards. And I I think that with the tie, it should be at least a moral victory for the Texans. I I would see it like that. Yeah, I I definitely see it as a moral victory for the Texans, but it's got to be a little bit of a blow to the Colts. But uh, let's see what happens next week. Uh, let's see can the Texans keep it rolling and can the Colts bounce back. But moving on to a battle, a divisional battle in Atlanta between the Saints and the Falcons, where the Saints squeak out with a one-point victory. Um, Again, result not a surprise, but how it happened is because the Falcons are coming into the season. They were viewed as a team that wasn't really going to do much. Uh, They lost Matt Ryan. Um, They weren't necessarily all that good last season either, but they came in here and they almost beat the Saints, they had them on the ropes. I remember checking the score of that game while it was happening, and I thought the Falcons were going to manage to squeak it out. But 
the Saints managed to keep it close enough for them to manage to come back and hold on by one point to get the W. Yeah, I think the Saints had like, like once it was fourth quarter, they realized like we are we can actually lose this game. We are actually going to lose this game. But something must have happened that they were like, guys, you have to catch up. And with with a pair of touchdowns and the field goal, Falcons didn't even get on the board. They they legit dropped the ball. <laughs> On the fourth quarter, where now it's just oh lord, like what happened? It's like well, you can't you can't count out the Saints at all. They still have very very good uh, legacies to build over New Orleans, and you sleep on the Saints. The Saints are just gonna come back and get you. Like that's like there's barely anything else to say about that. Like it, it's not over till it's over, and the Saints proved it to that day. Uh, moving on to the next game uh, again, not a surprise with the result. Uh, not even a surprise how it went. Uh, the Ravens beat the crap out of the Jets 24-9. to uh, No surprise at all there, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, do we really even need to talk about it? <laughs> poor Jets, man. I, like, I, what, I don't even know where to begin. Exactly. <laughs> like, I just, look, I know the Jets, bruh, um, look, <laughs> All right, this is a bad start, which is technically within what's everybody's predictions. Um, you know, starting off with, uh, you know, a few punts into an interception. Uh, come on. Well, Flacco, uh, oh, God, just, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a <laughs> lot, and I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure, look, I'm sure that the Jets have something. They have, they have something worth kind of getting into but i i think that it's going to take them more than this season to really try and recover or put together some sort of star offense especially like what we talked about <laughs> in the prior week i'm just trying to like okay <laughs> please we have to like i i want to still have hope i want to still have hope this is not a good start to that hope that's that's I, that's all I can say right now. That's, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure there's much more to say, if I'm being completely honest, so I can't blame you. Um, yeah. But moving on to the battle of former quarterback versus former coach, we have the Washington, ooh, Washington Commanders uh, facing off against the Jaguars at home, and they won 28-22. to This was another one that the result isn't really surprising, but uh, the way that it went down was kind of surprising. Uh, started off... First quarter, uh, Washington 7, Jaguars 3. Washington went up in the second quarter 14-3. And then the Jaguars scored 9 points in the third quarter. Uh, and then the final quarter came down to the Commanders just scoring two touchdowns while the Jaguars could only score 10 points. But I feel like that's a little closer than most people would have thought. Um, I was expecting a 10-point win by the Commanders. So for them to win by only what six points that was a little bit of a surprise yep. to me at least yeah i think trevor lawrence took a lot of the last his first season in stride like i can't get drafted like the first quarterback in slot one in the draft and be expected to put up like a stellar performance a la like you know brady josh allen and the likes but this is a good start this is a good start to the season for him even though they even though they lost immediately a lot of appeal with trevor lawrence has really really shown here and i applaud him for his effort i really do i think it was just you know the commanders they just have a really good 
We have good offense stats. You know, they've just been working with each other for that long. Like, you can't count on Terry McLaughlin. Got scary Terry. Guy's, guy's a good wide receiver. Even though that he may have not had many touches this this turnaround, but it's only going to get up for him, uh, go further for him. Uh, I think Logan Thomas in particular, really fantastic tight end. I think you got you know a couple touches here and there, but it's going to be interesting to see where uh, where everything goes forward. I I hope that I hope that the Jaguars though they end up going at least fifty fifty this season. I I, I have at least faith enough in Trevor Lawrence to put together this team and rise above the scrappiness because this, you know, these years two to four are going to be super important for his tenure as to prove himself as the first drafted quarterback in that slot and really take the Jaguars at least to playoffs. So, uh, you know, not, not the opportune start he wants, but still way better than his first game last year. We'll definitely have to see because, uh, as we just as we said earlier, uh, you had the Colts and the Texans finishing in a tie, so who knows? Maybe the Jaguars can pull some sneaky stuff and get some wins in this division. But um, next game, this was actually a surprise uh, to a lot of people. You had the Packers going into Minnesota and losing seven to twenty three. Um, I feel like this shocked a lot of people. Uh. The Packers went two quarters scoreless and didn't score in the fourth quarter either. Um, I'm I'm really not sure what to attribute this to. Um, you got Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 34, 195 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Those aren't the numbers we're used to from Aaron Rodgers, especially not going up against the Vikings, who he normally owns. Yeah. All right. We talk up to a bad a bad play, especially from like such an MVP star quarterback. Like I know everybody has their their bad games, but you don't want to have your bad game in the first game of the season. Like I'm sure they'll find a way to get to, back into the rhythm again by week two, and then yes, of course we'll see Aaron Rodgers already going to get nominated again for MVP. So you know we could chalk it up to just like just wrong place, wrong time. A couple things, uh, a couple things could have went a little better. Like, yeah, trying to answer the Vikings' touchdown and failing to do so punt after punt is uh, not the best look. Not even getting a touchdown until, like, what, the second half? It's uh, it's definitely rough. Um, I can't, I can't, you know, be too harsh on them. I'm sure, like, you know, just chalk it up to just a couple of uh, mishaps, especially with the, the fumble that they had in the third quarter. That was a, a little bit sloppy. but. I think that by week two, we'll see if it's the beginning of a pattern. Because right now, I, I won't write it off. It's just like, oh, they're dead. I'm like, no, they're not dead. Just bad game. That's it. Well, I hope the, for the Packers' sake, it is just a bad game. Because you have a division of people just ready and waiting to take your crown. And as the Vikings showed, they are more than willing to step in there and take the NFC North if the Packers don't want it. But uh, next game of the week was the... Chiefs versus the Cardinals. Um, not really much to say here. The Chiefs were supposed to win and the Cardinals were supposed to lose. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does and uh, got the W. Not really much to say there, as expected. Is it classic, classic Chiefs plays? Just being able to start things off right? 
Like, there's no, there's really no... There's nothing really to say about uh, Mr. Mahomes. He's just efficient quarterback, kind of succeeded. It's just... This is what... This is the type of performance that Aaron Rodgers should have put up against Minnesota. But instead, we now see Patrick Mahomes saying, like, let, let me show you what an MVP quarterback can do. And still doing. He's still in his prime. Like, he can lead the Chiefs for God knows how long and still put out really good numbers, just like what happened here tonight, uh, that night. Yeah, I'm just going to routinely put up 44 points because I can. It's definitely yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes things. But uh, let's move on to another game, same division as the Chiefs. Uh, the Raiders going into Los Angeles and losing to the Chargers 24-19. Um, if this doesn't feed all of the Herbert fans and just make them even more hype on their boy, I really don't know what will. Uh, Justin Herbert taking his team to a win against a divisional opponent in a division that is going to be extremely volatile. Uh, this is a damn good way to start off your season. Yeah. Like, I, I give credit that at least, like, Chargers, they, they you know, Chargers, the Raiders, they, they had a pretty decent game against each other. I think that this boost will be, I guess, not so much as, like, a momentum shaker. It's just saying that, like, okay, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that Carr is, is coming to his own. It's just that trying to get the camaraderie in to capitalize after they scored their last touchdown in the fourth quarter, just trying to kind of make up for all that. Because after when the Chargers punt, it's just like, oh, can we actually try and make it out to maybe even get the last touchdown needed? But, you know, props to the Chargers defense for holding them off. Uh, you know, it was just that, la- that last quarter, that's, that's all that needed, and the Raiders just ran out of time. Time is something that all NFL teams need. If there's too much of a team come back, if there's not enough, your chances might be gone. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, let's cover the last of the Sunday afternoon games with the Giants going to Tennessee and squeaking by the Titans by one point. Uh, mm-hmm. This all really came down to a really gutsy call by the coach to give the ball to Saquon Barkley, but uh, I have to applaud him. A lot of people said, why didn't he just take the field goal? And he, he didn't take the field goal because why would I just take a field goal when I can hand the ball off to my former second-round pick running back and have him run it down people's throats? Um, I didn't get a chance to see much of this game, but I, I've seen clips, and I definitely saw the stat line. Saquon Barkley, 164 yards on the ground. Uh, when your running back runs for 164 yards, more often than not, you win the damn game. Yeah, that's that, that would that would be such a such a slap in the face to any running back if they were running for that much and their team still didn't win the game. Like something must have gone horribly wrong. But at least with the Giants, that was a gutsy play in that fourth quarter. The two point conversion attempt, I, I don't think that people would be that baldy to actually go that far to put yourself that little far ahead, especially when the Titans had a chance to do the field goal. And I feel bad, man. <laughs> just, just see, seeing, uh, seeing the Tennessee Titans come that close from trying to break over the tie and put all the Giants' uh, efforts to waste with that two-point conversion. And oh god, I feel, I feel bad. There's no way to, uh, no, no offense to Mr. Bollock, but damn that. Like 47 yards is a decent distance. Just, I guess it just. 
they just didn't have it. They just couldn't close out the game and upset the Giants' hard work, and therefore, Giants did squeak by. I agree. Yeah, let's just see if they can carry that on into next week because, like we said, this is just week one. Yeah. But uh, the final game, the Sunday night game, the Buccaneers go to Jerry World in Dallas and take down the Cowboys 19-3. to uh, I should note that Dak Prescott did injure his hand during the game, and he did have to come out of the game. And the game was finished by backup quarterback Cooper Rush. But um, even before Dak went down, the Cowboys really didn't do much. Um, first quarter, three points. Second quarter, zero points. Uh, I forget exactly when Dak came out, but the Cowboys aren't supposed to be a team that scores no points in the first quarter. Uh, and give credit to Tampa Bay's defense. They are a good defense, but even a gift for the good defense with the Cowboys' weapons, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, they shouldn't be scoring no points. Yeah. That, I, I think it was just when you lose Dak Prescott that early, it's just it, it just a big morale depreciation like it's tough because when you have those options in your offense like especially with cd lamb like the man should have had a stellar game but after that injury just i don't know it's just everyone was just like really really scared because you know no offense to the backup quarterback he you know he did all he could but i just didn't expect it to come in that early and that obviously really messed up their chances of trying to overtake uh tampa um like you, you would think they would have at least some momentum in the second quarter after the after the Bucks missed their field goal, but lo and behold, <laughs> interception just wiped out any sort of counter momentum, and then Buccaneers just took that and ran with it. Yeah, and momentum. I get. I mean, even with the momentum though, they should have been able to score more than just three points the entire yeah. game. That's a that's definitely going to be a little disheartening moving forward. But, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we too. I'm sure Cooper's gonna have a lot more practice now that like he's slotted in in case like Dak can't come back for week two. So, it is it is gonna be a, a a rush of a week heading into this weekend. Yeah, definitely is. And uh, we have the final game of this week, ending the first week in football, the Monday night game, Denver versus the Seahawks. Denver took a trip to Seattle with Russell Wilson to give payback to his former team, and they came so close. Uh, game came down to really it came down to one play um, Denver had the ball 16 17 they just needed to keep pushing um, actually I, I recently watched the ending of it um, Denver had the ball um, it was fourth down it was fourth and five I believe there were like 50-something 50, 50 seconds left on the clock. Denver has all three timeouts. For whatever reason, instead of moving to the line and giving Russ a chance to cook and get them the first down so they can continue the drive and get a closer field goal, they kind of just meandered around, let the play clock go down to like 20 seconds, and then called the timeout and then went for a 64-yard field goal. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the thought process was there. Uh, I feel like it obviously wasn't Russell's decision because if it was something Russ was doing on his own, the coach could have been like no and called a timeout on his own. So I feel like this was definitely a decision by the coach. And uh, 
it's a questionable one because yeah i get it it's fourth and five but you have russell wilson he's either gonna throw for that or he's just gonna take off and run and either way it's a 64 yard field goal the chances of you making that are very very low so it's either you lose by not getting the conversion or you lose by not making the field goal because the chances of you making the field goal are so low that it might not even be worth trying yeah you you can't like just wonder go off into the land of just wondering like oh what if what if uh, Russell Wilson gets sacked like every quarter gets sacked eventually and even if you have to consider that yeah you have 50 seconds that's enough with all your timeouts available to just push a little further even get it to like 50 yards and you know just I, I wish that maybe Russell could at least say with the coach and say like hey man let's just push a little bit further can we get to 50 at least then we'll do the field goal like we have the timeouts we'll whatever play we do whatever mileage we get like, I have full confidence that Russell Wilson would have made that fourth and five and get the first down. And therefore, they can have the timeouts to kind of just say, all right, we, we made it. What do we do now? And just push. So by the time it gets to that, like, you know, that 20-second marker, you'll have a heck of a lot more time to set up that field goal. And McManus definitely could have made it just so the bunkers can get that dub. That was, like, people, they could have had so much of a more chance of a W but because that time was under a minute, I think it was just it just buckled under pressure. That that's that's how it is, and it, it reminded me that was like the same type of mentality when I remember from the Super Bowl back then. It was just like why why did they go to do this? And I don't know. Sometimes it just haunt it just haunts you. But you know, Wilson shouldn't let it haunt him. Like you know, these are just errors you make on the path to becoming a really you know great quarterback that's Hall of Fame worthy. And yeah, it's unfortunately it's one of those games where that's going to be a little bit of a blemish. Definitely is, but uh, it's definitely got to be a shot for Russ because he went back to Seattle and lost. And I last thing we're gonna say about this game, Pete Carroll is the most energetic motherfucking seventy year old man I have ever seen in my life. Man was running all over the field whenever something good happened for the Seahawks. I hope yeah. I'm moving around like that when I'm seventy. Yeah, right. That's oh god, I, I want that workout plan. Man. Definitely do. But uh, that that's it for the first week of games, so let's move on to looking at week two. Uh, we have tomorrow, Thursday night game, coming fresh off wins. You got the Chargers going up against the Chiefs. Like we said, this is a volatile division. Both teams won their week one games. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who's going to take this. Both teams are really good offensively. Um, it really, as far as I'm concerned, comes down to can the Chargers contain the Chiefs defensively because uh if Khalil Mack can get to Patrick Mahomes I think it's going to be a really rough day for the Chiefs yeah like they they're going to they're going to hit like a truck like Chargers have done well in their week 1 but when you go up against somebody as esteemed as Patrick Mahomes that's going to be you know they're going to have extra coverage they're going to make sure that you know we want to make sure Patrick Mahomes has as much time as possible to get those passes in and get those runs in and it, it's going to be a challenge. Like I think, I think this is arguably one of the toughest offenses to break in the league. And the Chargers, if they can do this, they they are going to meet a hell of a tall order with this one. But I, I'll still give it to the Chiefs. I'll still that yeah. Mahomes has got so much momentum going in. I, I got the Chiefs going in over. Can't blame anybody for having that opinion. Uh, next game on the docket starting on Sunday. Uh, you have the Patriots going to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Uh, after what happened week one, I'm not entirely sure what to think about the Steelers. Maybe the Steelers are going to continue their run of keeping their coach above 500. But 
I'm sure Belichick is looking to bounce back, so it's definitely going to be a little bit of a tough game. Yeah, I, th I think that I think that the Steelers, when they squeaked by, the Patriots is not just going to be a squeak, but given the Mac Jones still trying to get through, I hope that they at least get a closer game than what happened in week one. So, honestly, I'm, I'm biased for Patriots, so I, I hope that they get at least more than a squeak over with the Steelers, but... You know, I, I can't count out Trubisky. That, that's going to be a, a hell of an offense that the Patriots have to contain, and it's going to be very hard to do that. It definitely will be, and I know there are going to be some eyes on that game, just like there are going to be eyes on this game as Carolina goes up to MetLife Stadium to take on the Giants. Uh, I know Baker and Christian McCaffrey are not happy with what happened against the Browns, so they're going to be looking out to take it out on the Giants, and uh, the Giants might have a little bit of a rough time with this one. Uh Typically, games against the Panthers are kind of hit or miss with NFC East teams, so I'm not sure what to say about this one, but if Saquon has a good day, or I guess a better day than Christian McCaffrey, then the Giants might be able to be 2-0 going into Week 3. That's going to be a big upset, especially when you have a stacked roster like that on the Panthers, but you know, Giants, they're in the home turf. They got, they got the home turf advantage. I always give a little bit of credit to that because, yeah, fans are going to be cheering. It's going to energize. And it's going to really help them try and push. I think if the Panthers are going to win, they're going to barely win. That that would be my take on that one. I, I wouldn't be surprised by either team taking the win in this case. Can't say much for the next game we're going to talk about. The Jets versus the Browns. Um, yeah. Uh, the Jets, I'm sorry, Jets fans, but the Jets look kind of unprepared for the Ravens. And I'm not sure they're going to be much more prepared for the Browns. Uh, even with the quarterback not exactly being a eight-tier quarterback it i just don't have much faith in the jets right now like apparently one of the last meetings that they had the jets actually overcame the browns back in 2020 but that was like two years that's gonna be almost two years ago to the day and a lot has changed in that time definitely yeah. has but, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. That That's really all you can do is wait and see. I hope for the Jets' sake that things are better, but I need to see something. And that, that's really all there is to it. The Jets just need to show people that they should have faith in them. But uh, let's, let's keep it rolling. Uh, we have a divisional battle, Colts versus Jaguars. If the Colts put up the same kind of show that they did against the Texans, they're not going to beat this new Jaguars team. Uh, the Jaguars fought the Commanders with everything they got, and they're going to do the same thing to the Colts. And it's always tough playing down in Jacksonville, so the Colts are going to have to show up this time. Otherwise, they're going to be taking an L all the way back to Indianapolis. I think I think Trevor Lawrence, he's going to take this in stride. He got taken this loss a lot more just because when the Jaguars suffered that string of losses in his first season last year, I think he's going to get used to the loss, but he's not going to let it get to him. So I think Trevor is going to really shock the Colts in that, in that sense. He's going to show up and just say, this is how you take care of an offensive line. I may be new in my second year, but oh, you better hell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you even more to make sure that you don't get your first dub yet. As he should. This this needs to be a season where he shows that he belongs in the league. So let's let's see if he can do it because he he put up against the Commanders. Let's see if he can do it against the divisional opponent. Yeah, that's gonna be a hell of a tall order. But I got faith. I got faith in him. 
We'll see, man. But uh, next game, we have the Miami Dolphins taking a trip up to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Uh, I, I expect Lamar to uh, I expect Lamar to keep rolling. I, I don't expect him to have any trouble taking down Tua and the Dolphins, even with their lineup. So we'll have to see. I'm not Tua might have been able to take down the Patriots as a surprise, but I I don't expect this to be an upset. I think the Ravens are going to take this one easy. I think I think yeah, Ravens got Ravens got at least a good amount of players to make sure that Dolphins are not going to see any sort of offense going in. I think having their their really storied offense and defense, like the Dolphins is going to take probably a whole half to get used to crack through that and. They're going to have to really overcome a lot in order to make sure that they can get on the board efficiently against the Ravens. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to... Sh I don't know what they're going to have to do, but the Ravens aren't going to be an easy person for them to take down. And they're not in Miami, so they're not going to have that home field heat advantage either. Yeah, that's true. That's always going to affect people. Yep. For some reason, apparently you just never get used to the heat. Uh, but the next game, we got the Bucks taking a trip down to New Orleans to take down the Saints. Uh, last year, and apparently the year before, the Saints just have the Buccaneers number during the regular season. But with the Saints almost losing to the Falcons in week one, I'm not so sure if they're going to have that same result against the Bucks this year. As shaky as it was for the Saints to get their dub, I think... I think Brady has a chip on his shoulder going into the season where, you know, he has to make sure he addresses this. That's probably like probably one of the reasons he unretired. He, it was like, <laughs> oh, darn Saints, I got to make sure. Regular season, at least one dub. That's one dub. That's all I need. <laughs> I mean, hey, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I could totally believe that. But, uh, yeah, Jameis is going to have to bring it. And that Saints defense is going to have to bring it, too, because you got Brady coming in with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones. They will run up score on you if you don't do something to stop them. But uh, we, we got the next game. We got the Scrappy Lions welcoming in the Washington Commanders. And uh, I'm going to say the same thing about this that I said about the Colts. Uh, if the Commanders don't come to play and get a fast start early, the Lions will take them down uh the commanders are not better than the eagles on paper uh i would argue that they're not as good they're actually like half a tier below so if they're not careful the lions will <laughs> chew them up and spit them out and take a w and be one and one yeah i think uh i, I think this is also a game for detroit's to win and hope to win because as scrappy as they can be they definitely can have some shock value and I hope that the commanders don't underestimate the Lions. I really hope that. Because if they do, it's going to be a very awkward game to just see and just say, like, you got to take this seriously. You got to. Can't sleep on the Lions. Can't sleep on any team, but especially not the Lions. They will scrap their way to make sure they get that dub. And even if they don't, they're going to scrap even harder to make sure they get as many points as they could. Oh, yeah, the Lions are going to scrap. And this is going to be their second... Back, this is going to be their second home game in a row. They're not going to want to lose two straight home games. Nobody wants to lose two yeah, straight right. home games. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the next game, we got another divisional game coming up. It is going to be the Seahawks versus the 49ers. 
Um, if the Niners don't show up to play, apparently the Seahawks will just take a dub. Um, nobody really expected the Seahawks to beat the Broncos, but the Seahawks came to play and they showed up. And if the 49ers play the same way they did against the Bears, they're going to be 0-2 and they're going to be 0-1 in the division. And nobody wants to start like that. I, I think the Seahawks, they learn quite a bit. They they kind of battle harder themselves. I think 49ers can be a little bit shaky going into this game, but I, I, I for some reason, I think I got I got penned on the Seahawks. I got penned on the Seahawks to try and get in there and just wipe the floor. I think this is going to be probably one of the games to watch, especially if you're a Seahawks fan. Definitely. like Even if you're not a Seahawks fan, this is probably a game I, I would pen to watch. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won, but it, it's really just a matter of are the 49ers going to show up to play or not because that's what's going to decide who wins. But uh, next game we have the Rams versus the Falcons, and this really shouldn't be anything to talk about. It should just be the Falcons winning the game. Not the Falcons. It should be the Falcons losing the game because <laughs> this should be the Rams bouncing back against a team that isn't really expected to do much and – it's a team that they should handle easily. It should. Knock on wood. <laughs> it should. <laughs> like, it, it's tough to, for the, especially for the Rams to suffer a loss like that in their first week. And you can chalk up to a, a bunch of different circumstances. But I think that with the Falcons, the Rams should have at least an, a good time to acclimate and just overwhelm them. I, I think I got the Rams up at least by double digits. They probably should be. Little to no doubt. Unless, like, God forbid, if someone gets, like, you know, injured really badly, then, you know, that could change things. But I think even through injuries, Rams can still get out of dub against the Falcons. I mean, they, they should get the dub against the Falcons unless something goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Just, keep knocking on wood. Keep knocking on the wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, next game up, we have the Cardinals taking a trip to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. And, um... This is another game that I feel like the Raiders should handle the Cardinals. Uh, it might not be easy, but I do expect the Raiders to take down the Cardinals. Is that just from optimal momentum or just like just on paper you see like this is exactly I, what the Raiders needed? I haven't really seen anything from Kyler Murray that shows me that he should be able to lead the Cardinals into a victory against a team like the Raiders. The Raiders aren't a bad team on paper. Uh, yeah, and they're in a really tough division, and even in that division, they're not a bad team. So I I don't really see the Cardinals as what we've been seen by Kyler Murray to be a team that can take them down. Uh, I I guess the last meetup that they had, Raiders took it over the Cardinals, thirty three to twenty six. So the fact that they had their last game that long ago. I don't know. Maybe we'll see how the offense and defense have evolved since that time. I I, I actually want to pen it on the Raiders to upset, but mm. you know, I guess the Cardinals. If yeah, they show up to play. They show up to play, and that's more than enough to overwhelm the Raiders. Like that's, I, I think it's just it's it's the Cardinals' game to lose. And if the Raiders just keep doing Raider things, then we could see at that at least narrow it down to a single digit like loss, but. I'll be very surprised if the Raiders actually get double digits against the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, that would kind of be a surprise. A double-digit victory would be a little bit of a surprise. But uh, moving on, another 
Uh, same division as the Raiders. It's the Broncos going up against the Texans. Um, after the Texans plays the Colts to that tie, I'm not sure what to expect from the Texans. But um, I definitely know Russ and the Broncos are going to be looking to take a W here. They don't want to start off 0-2. And uh, if they let Russ cook and do what he does, then they should take a W here. But who knows what the way the Texans were playing in week one. They might just sneak up on the Broncos and beat them out of their own stadium. Yeah, the, the Texans are really reeling for, for a dub. Like, there, there is absolutely no reason why the Texans aren't going to bring their absolute A game against the Broncos. Like, Russell and his crew, they, they definitely got shocked a little bit. But you know what? Hey, if they if they don't catch themselves right there, Texas is gonna Texas is gonna shock them probably the most. This is this is gonna be the shock of the week, for week two. I think, as much as the Broncos can overcome if everything else is just fine on paper, but the Texans just have that shock value that can just shake the Broncos to their core. I feel like the way that the Texans are structuring their defense in particular. I think that this could be something that Russell Wilson will have to keep an extra eye out because there's there should be no reason for him to worry. But I think that there is still a reason for him to worry. I I wouldn't I I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, there might be reason for him to worry, but also at the same time, maybe it was just a fluke in week one. I'm not saying it is, not saying it isn't, but I I wouldn't be surprised either way. That that's where I'm sitting right now. All right. <laughs> it, re- it really just determines on if the Broncos can show up and play a little bit better and if their coach doesn't screw them by trying to kick 64-yard field goals. But um, next game we have is the sadly quarterbackless Dallas welcoming in the Cincinnati Bengals, who I feel like are going to be a little angry that they took an L in week one to a team they should have beat. And uh, I don't really feel as much to say about this game. I don't really see the Cowboys doing much without Dak. I think this is an L for the Cowboys and a first victory for the Bengals. I think that with the week that he has with Cooper Rush now starting going to be starting up as a quarterback against the Bengals, I think this is going to be he, – he is going to be expected to do a lot. I, I don't think Dak's going to be if, – if Dak is going to field as a quarterback, it's going to be for a very limited time because you do not want to mess up that hand any further than it already is. So, like, Bengals, even though that – you know they they're going up against a quarterback that just got slotted in for the starting position. I I think that yeah it's their game to lose. But even with the performance they did last week, they're not gonna lose this one. Like I can hope that Cooper Rush does a good job, but I I think my brain is telling me yeah Bengals by double digits. It's almost no question about it. Yeah, that should be the result. Now, with that said, let's move on to the final game of Sunday, the Sunday night game, the Bears versus the Packers. Um, after the Packers got shellacked by the Vikings, I'm not really sure what to expect here. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this could be a good game. Uh, Justin Fields didn't play absolutely atrocious against the 49ers, but he didn't play great. But at the same time, the Packers seem to be having some trouble keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, and they didn't really score much against the Vikings. So this might end up being a game that comes down to the wire. I got a feeling that Aaron Rodgers is going to wake up a hell of a lot more on game day than he did in week one. I think this is, this has to be his wake up game. There's no way that he's going to let it fly like two, two games in a row. That that's, that's not just going to be good for the team. That's going to be 
that's not going to be good for morale in general to be a Packers fan and having to look at your QB and go, what is going on? <laughs> but I, I think this is going to be the wake-up call. Like, Packers, I feel like it's their game to win, and they're going to win hard. It, it's definitely a possibility, but we need to see something because that first game, that looked a little bit atrocious. So uh, we'll see if Aaron Rodgers can wake up and bring his team to a victory against the Bears at home. Mine has like three alarm clocks. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, moving on to Monday, we actually have two games on Monday. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work because it kind of seems like they're overlapping. Uh, We have the first Monday night game, uh, 7-15 start. We have the Titans taking on the Bills. Um the Bills aren't going to want to go down, and they're going to probably fight with everything they got. Uh, Brian Tannehill's going to have to step it up because this is definitely going to come back to a quarterback duel. Derrick Henry is not going to be able to save you in a game against the Bills. You're going to need to throw for some touchdowns too. But um, this this should be a win for the Bills. The Titans are a good team, but the Bills have Super Bowl aspirations, and you don't get to the Super Bowl losing games in Week 2 after you absolutely take apart the Super Bowl champions in Week 1. You got, like, Buffalo, they're, they're going to continue this momentum. They're going to continue the momentum. Titans just happen to get in the way, and it's going to be a swept. Like, I'll be surprised if the Titans ever get past, like, say, two touchdowns with their extra points. Like, Bill's defense is very on point. Very, very on point. You can't count that out. And the last time when people count them out, boom, how many interceptions, how many sacks, how many – how much stats got padded to make sure that the Bills <laughs> dominated to make sure that, yeah, you may have won last year, but we are hungry for a win this year. And, you know, it's just it's just going to continue momentum. I got I got the Bills, like, hella hard on that one. As you should. And then we have the second Monday night game, which starts at 8.30. A little weird. We got one at 7.15 and one at 8.30. But, uh... The final game of week two, Monday night, 8.30. We got the Vikings traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Uh, As an Eagles fan, it pains me to say this, but I I feel like this should be a Vikings win. Um, It's just a little bit too much offensively, I feel. Um, Dalvin Cook, he's really good. Uh, Anybody says Dalvin Cook isn't good, they're insane. And that... They have the Vikings got some receivers you got to worry about, and I'm not too certain in our ability to cover. But um, I feel like if our offense can come online, if we got that two-headed monster of AJ Brown and Devonta Smith out in the running all over the field, we got our tight ends both catching balls, not just one of them. We need more than just Dallas Goddard catching balls, and um, if our running back attack is anything like it was last week against. Detroit, then maybe we could pull something off against the Vikings, but as currently constituted from what I saw, I think the Vikings are going to win this. I think it's going to be like maybe a one touchdown, uh, maybe a 10-point game, but I do think they're going to win. Yeah, I think I got my eye on Justin Jefferson. After his rookie year and really starting to be an explosive explosive player for the Vikings, I think he, he's going to definitely lead up. I, I think that the Eagles definitely, like, it's kind of interesting seeing how even though that the wins were kind of not as clear as you progress through both of their games, it's kind of like they just have, like, oh, we won. Oh, shoot, we won. Okay. But now it's just like, okay, how do we continue? And they're just going to butt heads. I, I, I think that, yeah, you got to work out on Justin, Justin Jefferson. You got to watch out for Darius Clay. I, I think that I, 
think the Eagles can squeak by here. I think like the Vikings, they probably have a good amount of play action that they can pull off here. But with the Eagles, I think the Eagles are going to capitalize on the momentum more than the Vikings. Like, what happened week one with the Vikings? Absolutely not unexpected. Like, I, I it was just like, wow, okay, Vikings got the dub. Holy God. All right, what do we do now? Like, okay, Eagles, well, can't sleep on them. They got the dub too. So <laughs> I, I feel like it's just awkward momentum that they realize that they got their dubs and now they have to go up against another team and, and just like, okay, we got to get used to this play. How do we do this? Yeah, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. Uh, the game is, in my opinion, going to come down to the trenches, which defensive line is going to get through which offensive line. So whoever holds their offensive line together better should come out with a W. But uh, that that's all the games for week two. Um, I, I'm not expecting any more surprise wins out of anybody in week two. I'm expecting everybody to look at week one and be like, hey, this shouldn't have happened. Let's get our shit together and come back stronger and better. Um, what, what do you think, Alphonse? Do you think we're going to have any upset alerts that we need to watch out for? Oh, uh, God. I think the the biggest upset that I would probably be keeping an eye on would be the Bills. I think, I think the Bills have such a good, robust squad to kind of just steamroll people. Because they showed their hunger, and they're going to show their hunger again. But as long as they don't overextend themselves, like, believe me, I don't want to see anybody on the Bills, like, suffering, like, you know, a loss of momentum. And, you know, even though the Bills, they are kind of penned to win, Titans, they're, they're going to have some revenge. Even though it's a home game for the Bills, I think that could be a shock if there was going to be a shock that'd probably be the most reasonable shock i could ever expect out of it the rest i could see it, it can go down to like all right whatever happens happens i think packers as long as they don't establish a pattern here i'm sure that they'll get the dub i, I don't have much doubts in my mind for that uh both the texans and the broncos that's that's probably gonna be a little bit you know i guess not as cut and dry as i thought it would be but there is some vagueness given that what they both performed in week one for both the Texans and the Broncos. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if I was looking for shockers, those would be the top three games that I would kind of tune into to see, like, all right, shock me. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> all right, man. Well, you guys heard it here. Keep your eye out on those games and enjoy another week of football. Um, I'm just waiting to see how that Monday night's going to work when you got two games that are definitely going to overlap. But, um, yeah, we will see you guys right back here again next week to start you off before week three. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Take care, guys.